welcome to another episode of our NCLEX review series. In this podcast, we continue to bring you valuable materials to help you prepare for your exam. Enjoy. Neoplastic disorders. A neoplasm, tumor, occurs when there is uncontrolled abnormal progressive cell multiplication. It can be benign or malignant. Benign neoplasms have a more consistent growth, do not metastasize, and are generally not life-threatening. Malignant, cancerous neoplasms have undifferentiated cells, do metastasize, and generally are life-threatening. Receiving a diagnosis of cancer is often the most difficult news a client can receive. Understanding what cancer is and how it can be treated can help the client cope and make decisions regarding therapy. Physiological and Pathological Concepts Malignant neoplasia is related to abnormal cell growth. This is referred to as a cell having a high mitotic index. When exposed to certain substances that are frequently referred to as carcinogens, such as smoking or sun exposure, cells begin to replicate in an undifferentiated fashion, anaplasia, and begin to reproduce rapidly. The cells may spread, metastasize, into other areas by direct extension, lymphatic permeation, or the bloodstream. When the cells reach distant sites, they can produce secondary lesions. Tumors are classified according to the tissue involved, for example, glandular epithelial tissue, epithelial surface tissue, connective tissue, or melanocytes. Tumors are also classified by a universal system of staging classification, TNM system, where T designates a primary tumor, N designates lymph node involvement, and M designates metastasis. A number, 0 to 4, after any of these letters, designates the degree of involvement. Treatment of neoplasia involves surgery, radiation, or pharmacological intervention. Pharmacological intervention. The method of action of chemotherapeutic agents is interference with the reproduction of cancer cells. Agents act at specific points in the cycle of cell division, cell cycle-specific, or at any phase in the cycle of cell division, cell cycle nonspecific. Chemotherapeutic agents are administered by the oral, parenteral, intra-arterial, intrathecal, or topical route. Since the agents are unable to differentiate between neoplastic cells and healthy cells, they affect any rapidly dividing cell within the body. Thus, they have the potential to be toxic to normal cells that rapidly divide, including, for example, cells in the bone marrow, hair follicles, or GI mucosa. Considering overall side effects, the GI tract is most commonly affected. The client experiences anorexia, nausea, vomiting, stomatitis, and diarrhea. Bone marrow depression and blood cell destruction can result in neutropenia, anemia, and thrombocytopenia. The client also begins to lose all body hair, alopecia, due to the effects of the agents on the cells of the hair follicles. The client may also experience CNS changes due to neurotoxicity. The agents are also hepatotoxic, and the client may experience liver enlargement and alteration in liver function. Tumor lysis syndrome, due to the release of large quantities of breakdown products, causes hyperkalemia, hyperuricemia, and hyperphosphatemia and it may result in acute renal failure. Some agents are capable of a direct toxic effect on the kidneys. The agents are also able to exert negative effects on the heart, 
leading to cardiomyopathy with irreversible myocardial toxicity, congestive heart failure, CHF, and ventricular dysrhythmias. Metabolic abnormalities can also occur, manifested by hypercalcemia and hyperuricemia. Nursing care. Although it is important for the nurse to understand the various types of pharmacological treatment options used in the management of a client with cancer, the nurse should focus on assisting the client to cope with the diagnosis and treatment of the cancer and the potential side effects this treatment may precipitate. Assessment and Analysis Initial assessment involves the client's general health and nutritional status. Baseline data should include findings from a complete head-to-toe assessment and review of laboratory tests, for example, CBC, electrolytes, liver function, albumin, clotting factors, platelets, and levels of tumor-specific antigens such as alpha-fetoprotein, CA125, carcinoembryonic antigen, CEA, and prostate-specific antigen, PSA. The client's knowledge level regarding the disease process, its progression, and treatment plan options should also be discussed. The client's family should be involved in the treatment plan discussions. This is especially important for children. Play therapy can be employed as a part of the assessment process to determine the child's level of understanding. Planning and Implementation For clients whose white cell count is below 5,000 microliters, they should be instructed regarding measures to limit infection, including avoiding crowds, may wear a mask, hand hygiene for themselves and all family members, avoidance of shaking hands, and coughing into the elbow, not the hand. The home environment is a safer one than the hospital environment because hospitals harbor pathogens to which the client is usually not exposed. In cases where the white blood cell count is extremely low, they may need to limit fresh food and flowers. The client should be instructed to report a body temperature higher than 100 degrees Fahrenheit, 37.7 degrees Celsius, and any other signs of infection, such as a change in sputum color. For the client with stomatitis, the nurse should teach the importance of gentle oral hygiene, use of a non-alcohol-based mouthwash, and limiting spicy and hot foods. Often, room temperature foods are better tolerated. The use of nutrient and energy-dense foods maximizes oral intake. Nutritional supplements may also be considered. For the child, topical anesthetics may be used. For clients experiencing dry mouth, xerostomia, the nurse should encourage foods that are moist or served with a sauce or gravy. The client should consume liquids at mealtimes and extra fluids between meals. Oral hygiene, including flossing, brushing with a soft toothbrush, or sponge toothbrush and rinsing, as well as regular dental care should be emphasized. Using fluoride gels or mouthwashes and chewing sugarless gum or sucking on mints may also relieve symptoms of dryness. Fluid intake should be encouraged up to 3,000 milliliters over 24 hours. The nurse should monitor intake and output closely. For clients experiencing nausea, encourage small, frequent meals and the avoidance of high-fat, greasy foods. Food should be eaten cool or at room temperature. The client should avoid lying flat after eating and should take medications after meals. Medications such as ondansetron, Zofran, often are administered several times a day throughout chemotherapy. This medication works by blocking the action of serotonin, a substance frequently involved in the etiology of nausea and vomiting. For the client experiencing diarrhea, 
encourage fluid and electrolyte replacement and consumption of a low insoluble and high soluble fiber diet. A low-fat diet may be indicated, as well as a diet low in lactose. The client should avoid caffeine and gas-causing foods and beverages. For the client experiencing extreme fatigue, encourage delegation and organization of activity to conserve decreasing energy. The client should be encouraged to obtain adequate sleep, relaxation, and exercise, and to consume an adequate diet, especially foods rich in vitamin B12, A, C, folate, carotene, and zinc. They should avoid alcohol, cigarette smoking, and recreational drug use. The nurse may administer prescribed colony-stimulating factors such as filgrastum, nupogen, to increase the production of WBCs, and epoetin-alpha, epogen, to increase the production of red blood cells. Prescribed platelet transfusions and blood replacement may also be needed. Special measures may be needed to limit injury to support joints or to prevent pathologic fractures. In addition, the nurse should monitor lab values, including WBCs, RBCs, and platelets, and any improvement in tumor markers. Providing emotional support for the client and family will also be important. The nurse should explain the etiology of side effects, for example hair loss, and encourage positive coping strategies, such as the purchase of wigs, scarves, or hats. Questions should be answered, and the client and family should be given opportunities to verbalize fears and concerns. The nurse should help the client and family to discriminate between scientifically-based therapies versus fraudulent therapies. They should also be encouraged to become involved in decision-making. Women of childbearing age should be instructed to use birth control measures while receiving therapy because of mutagenic and teratogenic effects. They should avoid using birth control pills. They should be counseled regarding use of sperm or ova-harvesting if permanent infertility may occur as the result of treatment. It is also important to administer analgesics or antidepressants to control pain and provide non-pharmacologic comfort measures as well. Specific care for clients receiving chemotherapy includes monitoring the IV infusion site for infiltration of the chemotherapeutic agent, which can cause tissue necrosis, vesicant, and appropriate care in handling chemotherapeutic agents and equipment to minimize the nurse's exposure. For clients whose WBC count has decreased below 1,000 per cubic millimeter, the nurse should institute protective isolation as prescribed. Sterile protocols should be followed when accessing implantable ports using non-coring needles, Huber, to access the port. When not in use, heparin or saline flushes are used to maintain port patency, depending on the manufacturer's directions. Evaluation and Outcomes Outcomes for the client receiving chemotherapeutic agents include the client remaining free from infection, maintaining skin and mucosal integrity, and maintaining body weight and nutritional status. In addition, the client verbalizes feelings about the disease and treatment and possible side effects, including body image changes. Outcomes should include having information about and support for the choice of hospice care when curative options are exhausted. The nurse, client, and family should be aware of multidisciplinary services to support the quality rather than the quantity of remaining life, including pain management and spiritual support. Radiation therapy. As an alternative or adjunct to chemotherapy, or as a palliative or only treatment option, radiation therapy may be used to treat some neoplastic diseases. 
The action of this method of treatment is disruption of the tissue by altering function during DNA synthesis. Rapidly reproducing malignant cells are most sensitive to radiation. Examples include alpha or beta particles, gamma ray, gold, sodium iodide, sodium phosphate, or proton therapy. The methods of delivery include external beam radiotherapy or teletherapy, internal radiation therapy or brachytherapy, delivers radiation by systemic, interstitial, or intracavity means, systemic, metabolized, administered by intravenous or oral routes, interstitial, administered by implantation of needles, wires, or seeds into tissue, and intracavity radiation, administered by placement of an implant into a body cavity. This option may require a surgical procedure. Major side effects of radiation therapy for the GI tract include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, xerostomia, mucositis, and dysphagia. Bone marrow side effects include leukopenia, thrombocytopenia, and anemia. Respiratory tract side effects include pneumonitis, cough, and dyspnea. Cardiac side effects include fibrosis, and reproductive side effects include temporary or permanent sterility. Nursing care. Nursing care of the clients receiving external radiation therapy includes assessing the skin for erythema or moist desquamation. The client should be taught to avoid creams, soaps, powders, cosmetics, perfumes, and deodorants in the area during treatment periods. Sources of heat or cold, such as heating pads, sun lamps, ice bags, or cold weather, salt water, chlorinated pools, and shaving hair within the treatment field should also be avoided during therapy. The client should be instructed to wear loose-fitting cotton clothing and to protect the skin from sunlight. Clothes should be washed in gentle detergents, such as draft or ivory snow. The client and family should be reassured that the client is not a source of radiation. Nursing care for clients receiving internal radiation should include the need for isolation. The nurse should explain to the client and visitors the amount of time visitors can spend in the room and that the proximity to the client will be limited to avoid overexposure to radiation. Children and pregnant women must be excluded from visiting. The nurse and other health team members must use a dosimeter badge to monitor exposure and use the principles of time, distance, and shielding to minimize exposure. The nurse should inspect the implant for proper positioning and institute measures to prevent dislodgement of intercavity radiation implants to avoid irradiation of adjacent healthy tissue. This may include the need for bed rest, a urinary retention catheter, a low-residue diet, and antidiarrheal agents. Only necessary hygiene should be implemented while the implant is in place. Place body excreta in lead containers for disposal when systemic metabolized radiation is used. If the radiation source becomes dislodged, use long-handled forceps to place it in a lead container to prevent contamination of the environment. Immediately inform the radiation therapist and the radiation safety officer. For the client receiving radiation for prostate cancer, the nurse should assess for signs of bladder irritability, such as nocturia, urgency, and dysuria. For the client receiving radiation for cervical cancer, the client should be kept in the supine position with the head of the bed flat or only slightly elevated. Patency of the urinary catheter should be ensured and a low-residue diet provided. For clients receiving radiation via an unsealed source, IV, 
orally or direct installation into a body cavity, the isotope may be excreted in body waste. The client or nurse should flush the toilet several times after each use for several days. Depending on the radioisotope used, additional strategies may be needed. The client should be provided with paper plates and disposable utensils. Bone Marrow Transplantation Bone Marrow Transplantation, BMT, is a treatment option for hematologic cancer. It may also be used when chemotherapy destroys bone marrow. The four types are autologous, in which bone marrow is removed from the client and reinfused after high-dose chemotherapy, allogeneic, in which bone marrow from a donor with compatible human leukocyte antigen, HLA, is infused after the client's own bone marrow is destroyed by chemotherapy or radiation, syngeneic, in which bone marrow is obtained from an identical twin, and peripheral stem cell transplantation, after stem cell production is stimulated by administration of a growth factor, cells are collected by apheresis and reinfused after high-dose chemotherapy. Major side effects of BMT include infection, fever, chills, venous occlusive disease, and vascular injury to the liver as a result of high-dose chemotherapy during the first 30 days after transplant. In addition, graft-versus-host disease can occur when transplanted bone marrow activates an immune response against the recipient's tissue. The bone marrow may also fail to respond, limiting the blood-making capacity and leading to hemorrhage and infection. Some clients experience GI side effects such as stomatitis, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. The cardiovascular system can be affected, producing symptoms of hypotension, hypertension, tachycardia, and or chest pain. The client may experience shortness of breath or pneumonia. Nursing care for the client with a BMT is based on the side effects that occur. With bone marrow failure or graft-versus-host disease, the client's WBC count may indicate the need for protective isolation. Today, umbilical cord blood is often saved by families for future use with their children who may develop blood cell disease. It is a rich source of hematopoietic stem cells and reduces the risk of graft-versus-host disease. Now we'll practice an NCLEX-style question. A nurse is caring for a client who is receiving external radiation therapy for lung cancer. Which client's statement indicates that the client needs further teaching? One. I can eat any foods I like. 2. I should wear soft, loose-fitting clothing. 3. I will need to limit my time with family members. Or 4. I can apply lotion to other areas of my body, but not to the chest. The correct answer is 3. The client does not need to be concerned about radiation exposure to other family members since the client is not radioactive. The client can eat anything as long as it does not produce nausea or vomiting. The client should wear loose-fitting clothing so that further irritation of the skin does not occur. The client should be taught to avoid creams on the area affected by the radiation because some lotions and creams contain ingredients that promote further irritation. Let's try a multiple response question. A client has stomatitis as a result of chemotherapy for cancer. What information should the nurse include when teaching the client about promoting nutritional intake? Select all that apply. 1. Limit spicy foods. 2. Take antacids frequently. 3. Consume liquids with meals.
Four, eat larger meals three times a day. Five, consume foods at room temperature. Six, increase the intake of caffeine rich foods. The correct answers are one, three, and five. For the client with stomatitis, the nurse should teach the importance of limiting spicy foods to avoid irritation of inflamed mucous membranes. Bland foods are less irritating. Excessive antacids can result in metabolic alkalosis and should be avoided. Consuming liquids with meals provides added protection and moisture to mucous membranes. Larger meals should also be avoided because they lead to further irritation and prolonged tissue recovery time. Consuming foods at room temperature causes less irritation to inflamed areas. Caffeine should be avoided because it is irritating to inflamed tissues. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and leave a rating. We wish you all the best in the coming examination. See you next time.